Welcome to the Serie A Show. Alright, hello everybody. We are back with another edition of the Serie A Show. We hope you are all doing very, very well. Chloe Nima, um, it took all of two or three hours for the City uh, campaign to come back with a bang. We had goals, we had controversy, we had VAR, or I should say lack thereof VAR. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just astonishing. So Parma Juve, we'll get to that one after Fiorentina Napoli because that is certainly the one that took most of the headlines. So Chloe, we're, we're a couple of days afterwards, the result. Oh, Fiorentina looked good. That was so undeserved, in my opinion. And I know you have to be fuming at that penalty that, to this moment, I still do not have any decent explanation as to why that was even given. So please, Chloe, take it away. Are you are you feeling better now? I, I am feeling better. I mean, obviously, at the time, um, it, it's just... It's just immensely frustrating. I mean, the, the first penalty that Fiorentina were awarded was slightly suspect, and, and, and under the old rules, it was certainly not a penalty. Um, but with the, I think with the tweaking of the new rules um, that say it doesn't have to be deliberate handball um, and that if, if your arms are in, an, in a quote-unquote unnatural position that they can award a penalty, I think that's going to see too many penalties being awarded personally. But um, I think you could argue that to the letter of the new rules that that one was fairly okay. Um, but then obviously we had Dries Mertens throwing himself to the ground. The TV replays clearly showed there was no contact whatsoever. Um, and it wasn't one of those where it was like, it it could have been um, it could have been said that he just sort of tripped and fell. There was there was n- literally no contact, and it was, in my opinion, an attempt to cheat. Um, so the referee, obviously, for whatever reason, doesn't check the VAR. Whether he didn't hear anything in his ear, whether there was a fault, we don't know. But I mean, he's been um, condemned for it since by the chief of referees, and it, obviously, it was a big mistake. But having said that and drawing a line under all the controversy that goes with that, I have to say uh, that I was so, so pleased with the way that Fiorentina played. They actually had a midfield, which they haven't had, well, certainly all <laughs> last season. Um, and, you know, it, they were a joy to watch and the, and the fans were behind them and they were, everyone was pulling together under this new ownership. And it was just, it was fantastic to see. And, while the result was really bitterly disappointing, um, I think there's a lot of hope there. I was, uh, I think uh, Montella said it best after the game. He was seething with anger, and I completely understand why he was. Because when he said that, I don't understand that you have five people and they all miss it, which can happen, but you have technology. How can you not use the technology? Because, and he's absolutely right, because there is absolutely no other conclusion you can possibly reach when you have when you look at the replay for both of those situations um when it comes to the marathon situation i mean that is the most blatant dive i've seen in such a long time and when you see that and and the way i look at it and the same thing with ribery when when he's getting his arm pulled down by um uh, by, by his side i think it is 
Um, look, if, if the way I look at it is, is this: if you, if, if, the, if there are two possibilities, if, if either the the VAR ref, the VAR uh, referees told Daniela Matza to to come and look at the situation, and he declined both times, then I think it's gross, gross, uh, uh, gross uh, uh, incompetence and negligence on his part. Uh, and that should that should preclude him from 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 being in, from 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 you know having been in charge of any other Serie A game this season, or if it's the situation where he's he's relying on the VAR team and they both times say that no it lo- doesn't look okay it's not a clear and obvious error then neither of them should be in the VAR should should be allowed to 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 adjudicate any any Serie A game for the rest of the season either because there you cannot be that incompetent. Uh, and and be allowed to continue working because it's just there's no there's there's literally no excuse for it. Everyone can make a mistake, but when you have when you have um when you when you have video replay assistance to your you know at your assistance and you still can't get it even remotely right, then you're just not fit to to you know, you're just not fit to 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 execute the duties that you've been chosen to do. It's just that simple. I, I thought it was extremely annoying i thought it was extremely frustrating because i thought the game was absolutely fantastic uh we, i mean we called it here didn't we Chloe? we said spettacolo a frank yeah absolutely we said i mean i said two two three three and i think the way fiorentina played i think you know they should have won that game um but but it's just it's just it's just so frustrating that that we have these games that these games these fantastic games the atmosphere was amazing anyone who's been lucky enough to be in at the artemio franchi when it's an evening game and it's packed like that knows how awesome the atmosphere is um, i just think it's a shame uh, this was again the Serie A, you know trying to show off its best side and just falling flat on its face again yeah shooting itself in in the foot when they've got an opportunity to showcase just how fantastic it is it's it's terrible for fans of the league like us when we want to see the league flourish yeah, it's absolutely you know, aside from wanting Fiorentina to win you know that's that's the the bad thing about no, it I mean really. I don't support either team I mean if, as, I mean if as I was saying a bunch of Inter fans were you know do you oh we'll remember how you know the 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 penalty that Fiorentina were given last season when D'Ambrosio handball I was like yeah that wasn't a Two wrongs don't make a right. I don't see. I don't see the connection between that. Like, I, 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 you know, it's it's both gross incompetence. You know, whether it's Abisso or Massa, it's incompetence, and I don't want to see that. I, I didn't want to see that at the very first game of the season. And I think, and I'm glad to hear what Rizzoli said. I mean, Rizzoli said, okay, you know, we handball that. Well, there's always going to be some confusion with a new rule, which is fair enough. I understand that, and they need more help. But this, the same, the two other, the two other situations where, I mean, get out of here, you know, just get out of here. Couldn't agree more with the both of you. And the the part that really frustrated me most beyond the actual incident, you had all of the people. Now, listen, there are clearly factions of people who dislike VAR. There's another faction who love it. For me, if you have the opportunity to right a wrong. It's obviously good for everybody, but this instance, it, it really brought out that faction who are against VARC. It, it makes things worse, and oh. I just want to tell that group it's it's not the VAR, it's the referees. It's the referees, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. 
this this logic to blame the technology when there's a human being basing the, their decision on the the information provided by that technology is so counterintuitive and stupid for the lack of uh, another a better word i mean it's it's literally like it's like literally yelling at the thermostat for sh- for for showing that it, the temperature and you're not happy with the temperature <laughs> this is idiotic it's it's it doesn't do anything like the var does not make decisions the referees does you know you have to sort you know you have to sort out the person you know in charge of running that uh not the technology itself i mean it just there's no logic i mean, I mean what are the in what other industry would you have technology available to you but opt not to use it? I mean, you know, imagine in a hospital where they get some... <laughs> I'm going to wing it. Some I'm going to wing this. That works I'm going to wing this. Oh, well, I just don't think we'll bother using it. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think he's got, Doctor? I don't know. It could be cancer. It could be the flu. I'm going to wing it on this one. <laughs> it's it's shocking. And only in the city ah, do we have this. I mean, it's just astonishing. But beyond the controversy, if we, you know, let's let's get back to the actual football. Um, Chloe, I was um, astonished by how good Fiorentina looked, looked how good Montella had them set up. And we mentioned him on the previous podcast, Pulgar from Bologna. Mm-hmm. What a player. Yeah. I, I felt like he transformed and adds an entirely new dynamic to that midfield. Absolutely. I mean, after it was so shocking last year to, to have a player like that come in who um, is not only, you know, I guess you could, in in some ways you could compare him to his compatriot Gary Medell in the way that he's sort of tough and he gets stuck in and all that, but he's also talented and he, he's, he's got um, sort of a lightness of touch about him too. He's not all like blood and thunder. He's, he's um, graceful and, um, you know, he, he took that penalty with, with ease and he didn't seem nervous. And even though it was a debut and I, I, I was massively impressed by him and, and some of the younger players that Fiorentina had on the pitch as well. Yeah, no, I, I was really impressed by, um, but and, and also looking at you know the, the the players that they're looking to bring in as well. I mean, I think Fiorentina, if they can, if they bring in Rodrigo de Paul, which looks very close, and they're send, thinking of sending, I think the deal between Biragi and Dalbert. I think Dalbert could really do well at Fiorentina because I think he's a kind of player who. He's, he's very similar to the Gilardinos of the world, that in the sense that I don't think he has what it makes, has has what it takes to make it at the very big clubs. But I think at a at a piazza like Fiorentina that is just under the top three, I think he can flourish and become really great. Uh, and I think that's a great swap. And I really do hope that he he succeeds there because. Um, no, I, I really like this Fiorentina project. And then, you know, what we spoke about last week about the false nine with Kevin Prince Boating. What a goal he scored! I know. <laughs> he nearly that? scored with his first touch as well. Yeah, it was it was pretty nice. It was it was it was it was a really nice game. It was a really nice game. And then moving to the other side, Napoli, there were never any doubts about their attacking ability. That was never in question. I love Callejon. I have to say, I love Callejon. I mean He is oh. he is very good. He's somehow underrated. Very, um, very underrated. I, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I feel as if people still think of him as just that runner. No, I mean, it's like, it's just everything, every time, every, he's, he's behind so much of what Napoli do, uh, not just in terms of scoring, not just in terms of assists, but also he, he runs intelligently, he plays football with his brain as well. And, and it's really, it's really interesting to see how, 
um, how dependently, I mean, if you see how many players have come and gone, Callejon is still there and he's always in the starting lineup and he always delivers. And and I thought against Fiorentina, it was like it was the old Callejon we saw. Like he, it's like he turned turned back the years. I mean, last season he he struggled a little bit in that four four two system, but then in this system he's like, it's the old Callejon. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving to the other fixture on the day was Parma zero, and Juve one. Did we take anything significant away from this one? Speaking of VAR. I don't know if I've ever seen a decision as closely as that one where uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's goal was called off by his r- right index finger <laughs> being just slightly <laughs> offside. That looked incredibly harsh. I mean, the the thing I found mo- most interesting was after a terrible previous season, after a summer filled with rumors about him going away, who is the man starting in the forward role? It's none other than Gonzalo yeah. Higuain. And he looked good. And he looked really good. He did. He looked great. Um, and his, his movement was... He, he looked like he'd been on like a... On like a spa uh, for like it's like he's been through a he's been like he had a horrible breakup and then he quit smoking and then he went away on a spa and then like I mean he looked so refreshed he looked like the Higuain of old and his movement was ex- it, was ex- it was fantastic and his link-up play with the two wingers Douglas Costa and Ronaldo was excellent and and Pjanic you know we were wondering who's going to be the Jorginho well now we know Pjanic is definitely going to be the Jorginho and he does it really well um, no, I, 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 I was like, when I was watching that game, I said, to, I was like, you know, all this nonsense about Juve, they're going to win the league because they are this good. And they, this, this, you know, with the, they, they have that quality in them. And if Higuain can, you know, turn back the, you know, turn back the years, one or two years and become the player he was a couple of seasons ago, I don't, there's no, there's nothing, you know, that that means they're even dangerous in the Champions League. I mean, he's not that old. I mean, people exaggerate. He's not like he's 38 years old. He's 33, 34. I mean, he he can still do it. And I mean, he was decent last season with Sarri at at, at Chelsea, and, and now he's back with his favorite coach. And 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 he looks like he's really up for it. He's got a point to prove. Uh, for the record, I thought he was 33 too. He's 31 now. <laughs> We're even I know way that, over exaggerating. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know that ball spot does him no favors whatsoever. Uh, the, 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 the Goran Pandev monk, uh, <laughs> the Zidane, uh, yeah, Zidane's bald patch, yeah. Yeah, you just got to shave it off when you get to that point. But I also didn't notice, maybe I just missed this, but he changed yeah. his number yeah. as well. No longer the number nine. He moved to... Uh, Dybala's number 21. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he didn't score a goal, obviously, but I thought his movement looked good. Um, I don't know in the in the, in the the long term throughout the season, I don't know if Tweedy and Carrera are, are going to be the names that we necessarily see alongside Pjanic because they're not the typical uh, Maurizio Sarri type of players, but I don't know. I, I I didn't think that if Juve if Juve can use those players in the games against teams like Parma and and lesser teams even than that, you know your Kaderas, your you know um, Matuidi, and then have this like incredible bench in case they get into trouble, and then also that means that they've got their star players available and very fresh for the more difficult games. Then surely that takes away that criticism of Sari that we that we leveled at him when he was at Napoli that he didn't rotate enough and the players were always tired. If he can win still with 
effectively his B team or, or a partial B team, then that's a bit of a scary prospect. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Now, speaking of scary prospects, I don't know if anybody was able to stomach Udinese Milan because that oh. was a difficult one to watch. It was painful. Um, first of all, that, I mean, just first of all, that starting lineup that Gianpaolo was using was just insane. I don't understand why he started with any, you know, the three changes he's made for the players he brought on was exactly what I, what I thought, how I thought he was going to start. And, and, and Piontek, what has happened to him? He looks like he's, he looks like a, sh- like, like he's like, he looks exhausted. Like he can't move. And mm-hmm. no, it was, it was Milan look really, really bad. And, all, all my fears of Milan were kind of um, regarding Milan were, were kind of validated. All those fears because they looked completely de- lack of form. They looked lack of shape. They looked complete devoid of ideas. They looked like all the bad things during Gattuso, uh, and added with with no tempo, yeah, and no energy. I, I'll have to be honest. I I actually turned off midway through the second half because I just couldn't bear it. It was just. It was just utterly dreadful. It was so dull, and they didn't. I didn't. I don't think they had a shot on target. I I read afterwards. It, they just. It just was a whole lot of nothing. It was very very strange. It was incredibly strange. And let's be honest here. This is an Udinese side that has not one, even remotely talented attacker. Kevin Lasagna is not talented. Um, DePaul was on the bench. He wasn't being played because, as Nima, you referenced, he's on his way, or it looks like he's on his way, to Fiorentina. So I I was just dumbfounded that they ultimately ended up losing this match. So it was, um, yeah, very, very difficult watch. You would hope that Giampaolo would learn his lesson. I mean, Fabio Borini starting in the midfield doesn't exactly... I don't understand uh, that. I don't understand that decision. I still do not understand that decision because, sure, Barberini is a dynamic player, but in the central of midfield, I don't think I've ever played him, seen him play in that position. And his, his post-match comments were really weird as well. He said, um, I started off with this idea and, and, and I played this team according to my idea that we'd worked on in pre-season um, for the first match. But now I realise it completely does not work whatsoever and we're going to have to rip it up and start again. <laughs> And I was like, well, it just seems really, really strange. No, Gianpaolo, at this rate, I think he's sacked before before the next uh, international break, to be honest, because it looked really bad. Looked oh, no. Really, no, I think so. I mean, no, because I, mean, I thought that he, I, the way things have been sounding from Milan, they were all so impressed and they were, oh, Gianpaolo is a genius and he's working really well and everyone was so happy. But to me, when it, when it based on what I saw and what he said afterwards, to me that sounds like a manager that's feeling the pressure and is under panic. And that's never a good thing. Um, so if this, if this, if he doesn't get it right soon, he's. I mean, I think about it. I, I mean, if they they go into a derby playing like that, uh, they're gonna get they're gonna get destroyed, and and that that is that is cause enough to get someone sacked. It's been in the past for sure. You're absolutely right. Now we're going to discuss a couple of matches that were not short on goals at all. Let's start with Sampdoria Lazio, where Lazio more or less brought a hammer to the match and beat Eusebio Di Francesco over the head with it for 90 minutes. 
while DiFrancesco decided not to make any changes to his approach, he was fine with that high line. He wasn't going to alter anything throughout that match. And I, I, I have to I have to say, I, I had it on as well as the Roma match. And I'm just sitting there dumbfounded, like, did you see what just no, happened? He's, he's, um, he's, he's so... What are you doing? This guy looks lost. I mean, Nima, honestly, uh. your shout in the previous episode that they may be in big, big trouble. Um, I thought maybe it was a bit hyperbole. I, I, no, I, I swear, you might be spot on. You might be spot no, on. I, I meant it. I meant it because I, I literally don't think that he is... He's not the kind of coach, both off the pitch and like tactically, who can who can who can who who inspires people around him, and especially when you have an ownership change, that's a lot of you know that's a lot of turbulence, and and against Lazio again, he just looks completely clueless. That that's the thing, he looks clueless on the sidelines, and he's he's completely he's he's. He doesn't have the ability to change anything. He doesn't have the ability to to send shockwaves and energy into his team. I I'm worried about Sampdoria because I don't want them to. You know, I, I I I I'm worried about them. I really am. And I and I and I and I and I, and I really love that front three with Gabbiadini, Caprari, and Quagliarella. And and still they he manages to get those players to look so lackluster and hap- and and without energy. And it's like it was like watching. You know, The Walking Dead, pretty much for ninety minutes. It was, it was, it was so bad. It was so, so bad. But credit to Lazio, who again this season they, you know, based on that performance, they look to have, they look to have found back to the attacking uh, ability that they had two seasons ago. Uh, Milinkovic Savic was fantastic. Immobile should have probably scored four goals. Um, and uh, no, I, I was really impressed by Lazio. Yeah, I, I was too. Um, they made Sant pay every time they made a mistake at the back. And I, I actually thought 3-0 to zero was actually pretty generous. If you, As you just stated, um, they easily could have had another two or three goals. So, yeah, lots of work for Eusebio Di Francesco. It was not good at all. Now moving to the, uh, the other match for Lazio's rivals and Sampdoria's rivals, Roma Genoa. I... I Someone else take this for me. I, I don't even want. I uh, I was I was really annoyed because I thought that Roma played some fantastic attacking football. I loved the the lines in in how they attack. Uh, I've been I've been beating on the Roma drum saying they're going to finish fourth, and I thought based on the way they attacked, there's no there's no doubt there's no doubt in my mind that they will. Jeko played exactly as well as I expected him to. Cengiz Under I think will be will be the star of this team, but for some reason. He he decided to play with the coach killers Juan Jesus and uh, Andre, uh, Alessandro Florenzi as a wing back or fullback, which we've known for the better past better part of the past decade, is just doesn't work. Juan Jesus was without a doubt Genoa's best player. Um, he <laughs> he he made he made such incredible mistakes. I like it was gobs I was gobsmacked at how a player of his because now he's not that young anymore. He's actually experienced now. He has absolutely he doesn't know what he's doing. He has no cool, no calmness. He just like goes into every challenge like a like an elephant in a china shop. He has no finesse. Alessandro Florenzi doesn't know what positioning means. He he has absolutely no idea of that concept. So no, I I'm really worried. Uh, I I was really annoyed. And then Zappa, you know, you you start with Zappa Costa and Mancini, uh, and and he, had he done that, none of those goals would have been conceded, and he, and he would have won three 0 I think I think the problem um, with a lot of these games, and you know, a lot of sides have had trouble in defence, is 
is also that the the window's not yet um, shut. So, you know, some of these teams are waiting for moves and players to arrive and they're not quite settled. I always find it odd that, you know, that they could be so incomplete. Um, I mean, I don't know whether Roma are bringing in another defender, but, you know, they certainly they certainly seem to need one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, they're, they're going to bring somebody in. Uh, they may even bring another uh, winger into the team. But I don't know about you guys. I guess this is just an aside we can discuss. Um, and I only bring this up because the Roma sporting director, Gianluca Petracchi, brought this up after, after the match. He lamented the fact that the window is still open after the first, first match begins is that something you guys despise absolutely or do you actually like that it goes into september like the rest of europe besides the premier league obviously no, absolutely. i hate it i hate it i, I don't understand <laughs> why they can't move it move the league to start behind uh, after the second of of September, like after the second of september so everyone knows what's going on this is this is ridiculous like it's like you're throwing away the first two matches because everything can change anyway i, I don't like it at all no no i just think I just think it makes it really difficult for coaches to prepare and and for fans to get a real sense of um, what the team is is actually going to be like going forward. Unless your club is particularly organised and has it all done and dusted in advance of the season starting, I think you know it's. It, I just don't like it at all. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan either. Um, I, I know again that where we are in football it almost seems like the transfer market rules more than the actual play on the pitch so i understand people wanting to extend that window as long as possible for more stories more conjecture all that stuff but i'm not a fan of it either hey real quick before we get to your side nima dismantling lecce i want to bring up brescia Cagliari. i was absolutely shocked by that result i was shocked by the lack of attacking initiative showed by Cagliari, and Alfredo Donnarumma scoring after he tore up the Serie B last season. Um, I, I was absolutely shocked by that result. Nima, was there any other result throughout the the, the league that really shocked Not you? Not shocked me, but I was very moved by uh, the Bologna game. Uh, the fact that he's... Oh, yeah, great I mean, shot. That was so moving to see Sinisa Mihailovic having undergone chemotherapy and standing there on the sidelines to support his teams. I, I was, that was very moving. Um, and uh, Miguel Viloso, who plays at Hellas now, scored a gorgeous free kick for Hellas, and Sansona did well. Uh, for, uh, no, no, it was, it was, it was, that was a very, um, that was very moving. That, that was uh, very, uh, very emotional. Um, and he, he looks, I mean, all, you know, every, as I said, I think everyone will have a little soft spot for Bologna this season. Chloe, how about you? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to see him there and, it, you know, it was quite shocking. A, a guy who is very, um, throughout his playing career and his managerial career, he's uh, a real sort of tough character. He takes no prisoners. And to, to see him there in the pictures are, are sort of looking so thin and, yeah, um, looking, you know, like yeah. it, obviously he's suffering the effects of the treatment, and 
but still being there anyway was just, you know, I just think how brave of him. It, it was really amazing. No, it was it was very moving, and he looked so vulnerable, and and it just I don't know the whole thing was just it just kind of it got to me. Um, but other than that, Atalanta's away. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're already flying. I mean, I was I expected them to struggle away against Pal, but <laughs> they did not struggle. They they struggled, but then they came back and won. I mean, Atalanta are behaving like a big team now, like a top team in every single way, and and it's so impressive to see. Yeah, and and actually, um, in the last few seasons, I have to say that. They've had quite a, a slow start under Gasparini, and they've they've come good towards the latter stages. So, to to see them come back um, and and beat Spal like that, yeah, you know, I think that really shows how far they've come as a team. Like you say, Nima. Yeah. So speaking of teams that have come far, um, Nima, Inter dismantled Lecce, and even though you had some some important players not present. It's just very clear that this team is so much embodying their manager Antonio Conte, and that's the way it has to be. When when like you cannot, Antonio Conte is the kind of manager where it has to be one hundred percent his way, or it just doesn't work, because he has such he has a personality that is such a he's got a very particular personality, and the way he wants to play football, it just you know it has to be on his terms, otherwise it will not work and it implodes. And, and yesterday we saw all the good things about Antonio Conte. We saw uh, the energy, the intensity, the 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 the, 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 the ideas, uh, and then that midfield. I mean, I I have been so keen to see how that midfield performs together. And then yesterday they just, I mean, Brozovic is, I <laughs> he he's never been this good. I've never seen him this good as he was yesterday. And. And then you have Stefano Sensi. I mean, those two together, I, I, I find it really interesting from a tactical point of view because, you know, those who are tactic geeks might, might, might appreciate it. But the fact that he's playing with two players that can both, both play the regista role and can both kind of, they, they change positions throughout that. He's got two registas on the pitch, but he's got two registas who, all, who all can also play as mezzalas. And so they kind of, they kind of alternate with each other uh, all the time and that creates quite a bit of difficulty because both of them have the ability and and, and and know how to play both of those roles and that creates a lot of difficulty for your opponents and and they and they are very dynamic players it's not like Pirlo who's jogging around on the pitch for 90 minutes it's 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 they move a lot so um, and they run a lot I think Brozovic was the player that ran the most in the Serie A last season of all midfielders over all players so it was um, no, it was it was pretty. It was really really uh, interesting to see. And and Lukaku, damn, he's he's got a point to prove. Um, he's fast. He looks energetic. Um, and 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 you know nobody epitomizes that this revenge mode more than Antonio Candreva, who seems to have fallen into the fountain of youth uh, and was the best player on the pitch. I mean, what a performance! And that goal. Is is I mean we know that he can score. There's no doubt about that. He can score these insane goals, but that was the most forty yards. Are you kidding me? Standing still forty yards into the back of the net, like top corner. That that was insane. And he no, I this is you know this is this is the Conte effect. I think I think Candreva is is exactly the kind of player that flourishes under Conte though. That you know a player that under any other coach seems completely average. I mean, he did it with 
when he was with Italy. He did it with yeah, Giacarini. Good, yeah, good comparison. And any other coach who's just an average player, but Conte gets hold of these certain people and he and he somehow extracts the very, very best out of them, the, the maximum effort. And, um, you know, I think maybe we'll see a revival of some of these kinds of players at, uh, into this season because... It's just what he does. But He's just for so me, Kandreva is like I've, I've, I mean, when he first came to Inter, I, I, I thought that you know, sure, he, the man needs the man attempts one million crosses to get third, thirteen right. That's fine, but when he gets it, um, when he gets it right, it, it just looks so damn good. And 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 yesterday he was it was he was I've, he was the perfect wing back in that system, and it looked so so good. Um, no, I I'm, I'm I just hope that Valentino Lazaro, the new signing. Can, can kind of gel into that team as well because Conte will need 22 players to rotate if he's going to play like that. Because the way they completely destroyed Lecce, um, that, that it's, it, he plays a football that costs a lot of energy and you can't do that with just the one with 11 players. You need to have 22 players. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So beyond all the matches, was there anything else that really stuck out to you two uh, during the first match day. Well, he, I, 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 I'd say the, the the fact that there's so many fans at the stadium. Um, I mean, Fiorentina packed, Parma packed, um, Inter Inter Stadium was packed. Uh, I think they set a new record for the opening, like in terms of spectators for the opening round of the Serie A. Um, I read that they set a new record, their attendance record, and that 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 was really encouraging. I loved that. Um, so for me, I'll, I'll, the atmosphere around these, these stadiums when they're packed uh, are, are, is something else. So, um, no, I, I, that is what I'll take with me from this first, first round of games. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Nemo, as well. Um, and I also think the fact that we saw um, so much attacking football and, and, and so, so many decent goals, I think, you know, it, uh, anything that sheds that terrible reputation of a boring defensive mm, yeah. league. I know, um, I know we've moved on a very long way from that, but any, anything that, um, for people who don't regularly watch the league, anything that catches their attention and makes them think, oh, Serie A is, is different now, um, is great. And, you know, we, we saw a lot of that this weekend. You're absolutely right. So before we sign off, Chloe, do you have the, because you put out a, a just a, brief episode before the match day actually started um, in regards to our latest or our newest, I should say, betting partner. Yes, um, we have um, started a partnership with uh, matchedge.football. Um, and what what they do is basically they are a subscription service and based on a very precise um, formula, they give out tips for the forthcoming weekend, um, which you can use how you wish. You can choose to use it as information to place a bet or, or just for interest's sake. Um, so I put out some predictions um, from that site as a kind of a, a freebie before the matches. Um, but just to backtrack on that a little bit, um, they said, they predicted um, that in Palma Juventus, we'd see um, an away win, which was indeed correct. Uh, and they said we'd see over 1.5 goals. <laughs> now, we nearly did if Ronaldo hadn't, if his fringe hadn't been offside. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so, so we had one out of two for that. 
for Fiorentina Napoli, they went with over 1.5 goals, which of course did come true. Uh, John, I'm <laughs> John, I'm afraid uh, Roma let us down ah. because um, shocker. If everything had, you know, gone as expected, we should have had a Roma win, but um, that was predicted. But obviously, um, they weren't quite themselves. Um, but they also predicted over 1.5 goals for that match, which came in. Uh, Spal versus Atalanta, they predicted over 1.5 goals, which was a win. And for Inter versus Lecce, they said a home win, which came true, and also over 1.5 goals, which came true. So we only actually had, um, out of two, three, four, five, six, seven predictions, sorry, we only had two uh, that didn't come off. So as you can see, it's a really great service, and we'll be setting up uh, our own website that's um, going to link through to them, uh, and that's all coming very, very soon. Yeah, and it costs something like £2.50 a week to do it. And one thing about this to, to, to note is that it's not a betting service, it's a prediction service. So basically it gives you information, and, and the information is based on statistics. Uh, uh, without We had the meeting with the guy who runs it, we, we didn't understand that much, but it, but basically the, he, he's, he's hogged up football statistics. Uh, and, and kind of predicts it's it's all kind of it's not just you know putting your you know putting your thumb in the air and kind of saying oh this feels good, um, so no it's 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 all really like researched with a bunch of stats and stuff and just to give you a little bit like a last season in the Premier League they had twenty six week twenty six rounds where they were one hundred percent accurate their predictions. Um, they had an 84% uh, accurate uh, of, uh, of uh, throughout the entire uh, throughout the entire season. So in the Serie A, they had 100% accurate on 16 day 16 weekends and 82% overall uh, of, of all, on all their predictions. So that's pretty high. Yeah. Again, if you bet on football, um, especially if the stakes are very high, I mean, this is a great service to have. It's it's cheap. You get fantastic information. Um, and as Nima just said, I mean, it's wildly accurate. So um, we look forward to, to working with them more and putting out more little uh, teaser information that uh, we hope will entice you to um, potentially get a, a subscription to them. So, um, guys, it's, it's no rest for the second match day because we have another slate of fantastic matches um, we will be back later in the week to sort of preview those. We have Juve Napoli, Lazio Roma in the Derby. Oof. We have Atalanta Torino. We have Genoa Fiorentina. So, again, after match day one, match day two looks just as tasty with just as many good fixtures. So, we will be back later in the week to preview all of those matches. So, until then, bye bye. <laughs>